Hello, welcome to ATM, Artists Talk Movies, a podcast interviewing creatives about films that have inspired and or influenced their personal studio work. I'm Hyde Fontenot, and I'm here with co-host Aaron Stafford. We're here to talk about contemporary art and the creative impulse with new guests each episode. We're having casual conversations. We don't pretend to be authorities. We're hoping to give you a window into the visionary process of makers. to find these films it's like one of the few race films that she ever starred in really uh do you mind if i smoke no go ahead you know what's so weird about this setup what i don't know it just feels like you know a setup like i don't know you know all this dinner and and what and friendly conversation (laughs) all right hey aaron well, hello, Hyde. How are things going in San Antonio? Uh, great, great. Um, I, I was on a big road trip, and uh, I'm, I'm finally back in San Antonio. And uh, post-vaccine, post-pandemic, Ooh. fingers crossed, I hope. Yes, uh, I know yeah. that d- uh, Delta uh, Variant. is a little scary. I know, I know. Oh, my gosh. But you know what? And It's awful, but I feel like I'm getting a nice refresher on my Greek um, alphabet, so that's nice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it, uh, you know, I just, <laughs> I just hope people can get vaccinated. Everybody, our listeners out there, um, do everybody a favor and make sure you're vaccinated. It's so important. That's my soapbox for today. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I'm... I'm pro-vaccine as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're here to talk about um, a new movie um, for these, this episode. Yeah, yeah. With a new with a new guest artist. With a new guest artist. Um, so we have The Watermelon Woman. Yeah. Um, and this is a film from 1996. And yep. it was directed by Cheryl Donay. Mm-hmm. Um, and our artist is uh, Julia Barbosa Landois. And hi, do you want to introduce? Yeah, yeah, I have guest? some I have some introductory uh, information uh, from Julia. Excellent. And so I wanted to talk about her her practice. Uh, she's a performance artist. She works in video and installation, and she uses everyday technology in unexpected ways. Um, their work engages subjects of gender, ecology, religion, and the relationship between the intimate and the public. And uh, Julia got her BFA at UT San Antonio and her MFA at University of Pennsylvania. Um, they've had exhibitions throughout the US, Europe, Latin America, performed in many festivals and museums. Part of that was the Texas Biennial where I first mm-hmm. met Julia. Um, they've had work at the, uh, the Contemporary Art Museum in Houston, Mexicarte in uh, Austin. Uh, MC Santa Barbara, and most recently the Blaffer Museum uh, in Houston. Um, Julia identifies uh, themselves as a feminist, a Latinx, 
a mom to two young humans and two geriatric, <laughs> two geriatric fur babies, uh, <laughs> a, an avid runner, gardener of food and medicine. And uh, they, they said they were getting witchier with each passing year, which oh, I man. understand. Um, oh. So Julia's got a music project with an artist uh, collaboration uh, with Eric Sandin of San Antonio. And the, uh, the uh, project is called Live Ballast. And that will be coming out uh, later this summer. Um, and um, in, let me see. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh uh, so sorry, I'm getting my information a little confused. So uh, yeah. <laughs> the Live Ballast album is coming out with Eric Sandin. And um, and Julia's also got, um, she's included in a group exhibition at the Holocaust Museum in Houston that's mm. up until October 17th. So Julia, are you there? I'm here. Great. Sorry about my flubs and slaughtering your introduction, <laughs> but I think our listeners get a pretty good sense of how busy and prolific you are from that. And um, yeah. is there anything you want to include about your work that I didn't get to? Is there anything? Uh... I think that's pretty good. We can. Okay. We can get there organically. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So your uh, your film choice for this episode. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, tell us um, your history, Julia, with uh, The Watermelon Woman. So I first saw this film shortly after it came out. Um, I was a senior in high school, and um, I want to say, I saw it in San Antonio. I want to say that I saw it maybe at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center um, as part of a film festival, or it could have been just on a night um, on its own. And um, I saw it during this this year when I had turned uh, 17 and then 18. Um, I started going to see all of these really amazing films, either with a friend or even just by myself, that were totally um, broadening my horizons and um, seeing all these like films directed by uh, women and um, going to this... Uh, also, this art house cinema that was, strangely enough, uh, located in the mall, in a shopping mall. Oh. <laughs> Is this in what? San Antonio or Houston? It's, it was in San Antonio. Okay. Yeah, uh, at the Wonder... Oh, I think I know that theater. Yeah, the Bijou at the Wonderland Mall. Yes. Is that where... Hi, didn't we see a movie there together? I think we did. We, yeah, we did. Yeah, that's <laughs> so cool that they played... That, so they played the Watermelon Woman... At the mall. No, no, they they played that at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, but oh, but yes. during okay. this time, but you went to go see, yeah, yeah, and I saw things there like um, heavenly creatures and yes. female perversions and yes. um, this really amazing documentary about uh, lesbian expat artists in Left Bank Paris. You know, just stuff that I never would have had access to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, well, I know that female perversions was gonna was um, another option you were sort of weighing out, and so that must have been a really tremendous period for you to get exposed to um, to to these films at this time. Yeah, it's funny too to to have seen some of those again recently and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and think about 
how the films have aged, but also kind of like these were films about ideas of womanhood and like what I thought yep. it was to to be a woman when I was 17 versus what I feel like it is mm. now as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever find, Julia, that sometimes when you watch a movie from when you were a kid and, you know, as a kid, you always side with maybe the kids in the movie and then later on you start to side with the adults in the movie that I find that happens to me the older I get. Oh, it's like, oh, uh, and specifically, just recently, it was uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, and I thought, oh, that poor mother, <laughs> that poor mom, and, you know, and Robin Williams was really, like, a jerk, um, you know, but when you're watching it as a kid, you don't, you don't see it that way, so I always, you know, am shocked <laughs> at my, my new appreciation for, you know, the adult, uh, um, you know, Female characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, you know, one thing I was really impressed by with uh, The Watermelon Woman was that um, not only did it pass the Bechdel test. For sure. It, <laughs> yeah. It passed it. In, like, I don't think they ever talk about a man at all, like the women in the movie. Like, it's so, it's like the opposite. There's barely any men in the movie at all. It's so refreshing. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's just the jerky boss, right? Yeah, and maybe one customer at the video store or something. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Somebody, like maybe background characters, but yeah, you really don't ever get, um, you know, this sort of male-driven protagonist um, type of movie that we're so used to. Um, But I was doing doing dishes tonight, and I thought, they never even talk about men, ever. (laughs) I mean, that's amazing, amazing. I've never seen a movie... That does that. And I'm thinking it's probably because of a female director and, of course, telling a story about being a woman uh, mm-hmm. filmmaker. Um, so, yeah, it was really nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about um, other movies I had seen around that time that were in a similar vein that maybe were independent films or that were... Um, about people working in a video store or and and it it all mm-hmm. came up with like male directors and male protagonists and like very different mm-hmm. kind of feeling about it you know i was thinking about mm-hmm. yeah. richard linklater or kevin smith or you know those uh-huh. kind of directors and it was so Wait, even tarantino didn't tarantino work in a video store as an that sort of he part must of his have story. oh <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah just be uh-huh. like a huge film nerd and um <laughs> Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and I never got to see women being film nerds or filmmakers mm-hmm. portrayed in any of those um, those situations. So yeah, yeah, I love that about this. One. And even the the flirtation that the characters are having around like choosing a movie or recommending oh, yeah. something. Yeah. That, that's that feels very nineties to me. Like totally. going into a record store or a video store, and you know, there's somebody very hip at the counter and you know that they're going to judge you based on your choice. <laughs> so, so, so you're, you're kind of auditioning. It's your sexy audition to be like, I know yes. about things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm edgy. Um, and you know that there's still one blockbuster out there in existence. It's sort of a rare, you know, uh, location out in like, 
where is it? Somewhere up north, maybe in Washington. But you can oh, still go to a blockbuster. Do you remember the like bizarre ca- section? That was my favorite section. Wait, <laughs> oh, in uh, blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> there was a bizarre. Cap- Mine didn't have that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it had. Um, gosh, I can't remember. I mean, they might have even had something like a Greg Araki movie, but then also, and and then also like weird horror movies and then kind of crazy stuff that they never, that I can't imagine being in a video store today, like Faces of Death. Do you remember those? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel like the streaming services need that pop up, that category of like, this is weird. You're like, yes, give us some weird stuff. Because I know it's on there, but it's not promoted. The algorithms, yeah, the algorithms Uh just mess it up so much. And I really miss just browsing and Uh coming across something that I, that would never have been part of my algorithm, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't get that opportunity anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, hmm. I remember somebody writing an op-ed, uh, when streaming services first started and it was this guy who was writing my netflix thinks i'm gay uh, because because of things he'd chosen and he was realizing all of his choices were coming out like Um. oh wait wait i'm getting (laughs) i'm getting a lot of queer content here or choices You know, it's sort of scary, though. I think computers probably know a little bit more about us than we know about ourselves. (laughs) Like, I know, know, and this is actually sort of terrifying, but um, evidently there is some concern that eventually the computer will know if you have a disease because of what you're Googling and how you're typing. Oh, yeah. So it will actually be able to flag you for certain sort of medical conditions. I don't know how to feel about that <laughs> exactly. Wow. But uh, what what really could eventually happen with that, this is so off topic, but uh, really quickly is that, um, it, it, of course, that information is, is going to be sold to um, insurance companies. Yes. Going oh to, like, You'll get okay. a notice your insurance you has will. been canceled. Because <laughs> you need like, it. Yeah. You know, what if you were just having a bad day? You know, I mean, what if you just didn't get, I know I've had bad days where I can't remember a password. What if you were asking for a friend? <laughs> like right? for real asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> or what if I'm Googling about my dog and then, but it doesn't come out that way. And suddenly I have some, you know, venereal disease or something. Like, oh, great. <laughs> I don't, that's uh, not how you get venereal disease. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, we're not buying that excuse. (laughs) No, honestly, I just Googled something and then I got this itch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll have to excuse my my Southern upbringing. (laughs) How did Erin get pregnant? It was a doorknob. (laughs) She um, took the aspirin out Uh from between her knees. Oh, my goodness. Right. Remember that? Oh, my God. You guys are going to have to tell me about that later. That sounds amazing. Um, Julia, I wanted to see if you could do a quick recap for our listeners who have not watched um, The Watermelon Oh, brilliant. Uh, Sure. So it's it's in this style that I really love, which is, I don't know if you would call it a mockumentary exactly. They, Uh they, 
people have called it a denier mentory because she kind of had her own <laughs> style of doing it. But um, it is in the form of a documentary, but it's fictional. However, mm. the director and writer uh, and main star, Cheryl Dunier, um, plays a fictionalized version of herself in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, she's a filmmaker who works at a video store uh, and also does side gigs filming weddings and special events yes. and stuff. Um, and she is wanting to make a documentary about a black actress from the 30s and 40s who has been in all these different films but has been unnamed and is just credited in some of these films as being the watermelon woman. And so mm-hmm. she's really interested in this actress and also interested in digging into um, the history of black actresses in film of that time and mm-hmm. representation and kind of like her own history. And um, and she uh, gets involved in a relationship with a white woman who's a customer at the video store. And there's some kind of funny and also weird um, dynamics happening with that as she's making the documentary. And um, and then she finds her history. And, um, and, and the end of the film is a little excerpt of the of the, the fake documentary that she made, which mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you if you all saw this, but I I just learned it uh, when I was preparing for the podcast that all of the photos that were staged for the documentary were made by the artist Zoe Leonard. Yeah, I saw that too. I, s- I saw that too. Which is super yeah. cool. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah. that And it was so, con- actually very convincing, I thought. Um, yeah. You know, the sort of grainy quality and, and all of that. So yeah, that was really um, um, uh, pretty interesting there. And also I know that um, Cheryl Donay uh, is also kind of an artist in her own right. I think she showed at the uh, Whitney Biennial one year. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So, you know, she's sort of multifaceted. What as... was the what was the work? Did you find out? You know what? I didn't look into that because okay. I spent I spent um, a lot of time. This is so silly, but I invested <laughs> a lot of time looking into you guys you know when their first encounter <laughs> what you were talking about earlier Hyde where they're in the video store and they're sort of uh-huh. flirting I looked up those movies that were either recommended or uh-huh. that Diana was selecting and they yeah. seemed like really important movies for the what? narrative of the story what were they again I know, because I, I kind of hate Easter eggs in movies like that. I was like, oh, God, uh-huh. like nobody pays attention. But I was looking at that scene again, and I thought, wait a minute. So Cheryl recommends um, Carrie. And right. And then she also recommends Repulsion, the uh, Roman yeah. Polanski film. which With Catherine Deneuve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, have you seen that one, Julia? No. Repulsion? Yeah, I've not seen it. It sounds terrifying. Uh, um, yeah, she, Catherine Deneuve kind of, I think she's having a mental breakdown. And she's, I think most of it's just interiors in her apartment. Mm. And she's she's just kind of losing her mind. Yeah, and there's something about 
like nightmares that are coming from um, the uh, like male desires for her. Like there's something about men and desirability. Um, Isn't Alien another one that she recommends? An Alien, yeah, Yeah, she recommends Alien. With a strong female protagonist, yeah. Yeah, so... I thought it was sort of interesting that she recommended those three films with white women, right, as... Well, try to find... Oh, and there was also Cleopatra Jones. See, that's the one that Diana had uh, already selected Cleopatra Jones. Yeah, that's part of their flirtation because she's telling her, like... Hey, I'm kind of into black women, into black. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. And I think that, uh, the Cheryl character is kind of trying to find out if she's a lesbian because she's offering these, these films that are kind of like uh-huh. have like, like female icons or lesbian icons. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. 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 It is this weird, like, it's a little, little dance. It's a little dance. I just thought it was such a funny, like, okay, so she's clearly interested or diana is clearly interested in uh films that involve a uh like uh they have a lot of black uh actors and there's a lot uh-huh. of um you know um you know uh influence in the black community and mm-hmm. then you've got cheryl that recommends all of these um character or movies with mostly white actors but also female driven in a way that's sort of like nightmarish or scary or (laughs) like what is she trying to say like what's the what's the message like and there's something like like carrie is an interesting one because that to me kind of has notes of like female empowerment and and like right. there's a lot that you could kind of read into Carrie. Um, I've not seen Repulsion, but I just read just a little snippet on okay. Wiki. So I don't know. I got so into that and then I didn't look up important things like what was the work from the biennial, which would be really fascinating. Yeah. To look you know, it may too. it may well be more of her film work because I know that, you know, the oh. biennial will sometimes include uh, dance or yes. performance or film yeah. or architecture you know it just depends who the curator is and what what their interests are well yeah. she was making film and video art for for a while like she she didn't go to uh-huh. film school she went to more like fine arts i guess you could say graduate school oh, to get an mfa okay. she went to um oh rutgers mason gross school of the arts is that at okay. rutgers yeah um, yeah yeah, and so I, I saw an interview with her, which I really, which I really would love to hear more on from her. But she, mm-hmm. she was saying, um, I really didn't think I didn't set out to be a filmmaker, and I thought I was going to be mm-hmm. a video artist. And then she makes this offhanded comment where she's like, you know, I thought I was going to be a video artist, and that's not even a thing anymore. And I was like, whoa. What? Uh, <laughs> Am I obsolete already? Uh, what happened? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm pretty sure video art is still a thing. But, last time I but checked, I want to know but... what she meant when she, when she said that. Yeah. You know, um, and now yeah. now she is still making films, but also directing um, TV episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like I saw an episode of Claws that she directed that was really funny and kind of slapstick. I don't know that series. It is about a group of women in Florida who own a nail salon. 
and then oh. get wrapped up okay. in in organized crime. Oh man, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta look out for those manicurists. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, well, that's cool that she's still working. You know, I was going to tell you, like, I remember th- I didn't see this film at the time, but in, I think, 1996, uh, there's a film festival in San Francisco called Frameline that I think is still running. And um, I participated uh, several times and I would go to San Francisco for it. And I think that Watermelon Woman was like their opening night film. Mm, and it yeah. was it was really uh, I think it was probably sold out, you mm. know. But um, yeah, I remember it from that period. And it really does feel like that period, too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, <laughs> like like low budget, independent, mm-hmm. like kind of like you can tell that some of the uh, some of the scenes were like. You know, they were probably operating on a very limited budget, which is what I did as well at that period. Mm-hmm, well, uh-huh. I still do. <laughs> Who am I kidding? But like in terms of film, you know, when you're shooting film, it's like, oh, my God, you're just seeing the dollars just fly by mm-hmm. with every every take. And so, you know, people are like a little late to come in at some points and the the acting can be a little bit clunky. But I, you know, she just kept it. Yeah. And was like. That's I got what I got. <laughs> Something that I uh, discovered was that um, her mother in the movie is actually her mother. Yeah. Um, oh. And I thought, oh, that's like, why would you not use your mother? Like, she's there. Uh-huh. She probably wasn't asking for, you know, some sort of, you know, monetary compensation. It's your mom, <laughs> you know? Like, right. oh, I think that's really nice. And there's something that I, I, got, I see what you mean, Hyde, about like a sort of clunkiness. Like, it there were times when it felt a little like high school theater almost like it's <laughs> yeah. better than that. But like there were just yeah. little moments where the acting was just, yeah, it's a little, a little bit off, but then you have the, to me, it's like when you have the, the, the acting that felt really convincing was um, with the mother. And then also with the, um, mm-hmm. the culture critic, who's also an actual culture. Oh, Camille Paglia. Exactly. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a win, right? Yeah, but you know, I um, how do you guys feel about what? Do you remember what she said in her interview? Because I don't think I really agreed. Okay. Well, you have to know. I don't know if you know Camille Paglia, but she okay. <laughs> she made a career on being uh, uh, controversial and oh. saying saying kind of bombastic things that like. <laughs> you know yeah yeah like she she was like a shock jock in the okay. a, in academia <laughs> and, but like but so entertaining and so like but you know quoted so often and like okay wow yeah. is it kind of like a oh, who's that awful canadian um professor <laughs> you know who i'm talking about uh oh shit um anyway no, the, he's got the the lobster theory um i don't know this oh my god he's at uh, peterson jordan peter peterson? i don't know who that is oh hi don't don't julia do you know who i'm talking about no he's terrible oh he's i've heard that awful, name but, but i yeah yeah he he definitely likes to stir the pot and okay. he kind of got in some heat when he claimed that the the university that he was working for 
would fire or fine him or something like that if he used the wrong pronoun for one of his students. Oh. Which I'm thinking he probably is like exaggerating that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I mean, he just went off into this. Like that's kind of what started well, his. It's that fragile white male bullshit it's like oh i have to change my behavior in the slightest way like i'm gonna have a tantrum (sighs) here on the floor yeah he does and he people love that shit i mean they Uh just love him and i just i just find him so irritating we just Um, need to change his diaper (laughs) (laughs) that's his problem somebody needs to it's not gonna be me (laughs) he's got a little rash he'll be fine Take a nap, have a snack. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that, um, oh, what's Camille Page said that I thought was um, like, just uh, like what you were saying, like, obviously she's just trying to get a rise out of the yeah. uh, the conversation, but she talks about the, the mammy trope, right? Oh, right. And that she's sort of embracing it. Yeah, she's like, well, it kind of reminds me of my grandmother, and how could you see that as offensive? And it's like, don't you get it at all? Like, yeah. Well, it's it's like it's so obvious, and then why you would get it, and then she's kind of refusing to get it because mm-hmm. she's a contrarian. But mm-hmm. also, you know, she kind of digs in deep. Like she'll kind of, I feel like she'll help the rest of us sort of hone our arguments and our mm-hmm. positions on -hmm. these things because (laughs) that's what jordan peterson does too like if he'll go Uh deep to the point where like you really have to know what you're talking about in Mm -hmm. order to you know try to uh navigate um a a sort of a conversation around those types of topics but yeah and then there was the watermelon um specifically that she was like what's the problem like watermelons are amazing and i think they're delicious (laughs) right 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 wow Wow. And like, I I don't know if, uh, like I had to look into the history of watermelons and how they became a racist symbol. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, What'd you find was, out? Oh, so basically, yeah. Cause like, I was like, yeah, why are watermelons associated with uh, black people? And, and, you know, they're sort of seen as these sort of caricatures and yeah. de- demeaning. And basically uh-huh. from what I understand is that African-Americans, um, when they were freed, um, would sell watermelons. They were, you know, easy for them to grow and sell. And, and, yeah. and, um, and so white people basically decided that watermelons oh. were going to be considered, you know, lesser than. It's, like It's a classist ch- thing. And you yeah. know what? I'm thinking that watermelons may grow in sandy soil, so it might be, like, not the best farmland. Right. And, and so, oh, that's so interesting. I know. And the fact that, like, if you, when you eat a watermelon, they're very messy, right? So you have this, like, uh-huh. uncleanliness. You have this perception of laziness because you can't work well, and eat a watermelon you know, at the same time. Yep, yep. It's, they're childish, perhaps, in, in a way. And so... All of these things get kind of wrapped up into this racist little present. Uh And it's like, couldn't that, like, if you're an academic, a cultural critic, how could you not have looked into that and not just understood a watermelon based on, like, your own experiences? this is the thing. Camille Paglia gets all of that. But she'll just go against sort of like... Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I don't think she's oblivious. You know, that's that's her trademark, you know. Yeah. But she does make you think, and she is smart about a lot of things. But uh-huh. she does. She is um, a contrarian. Yeah. Do you think that she meant that statement, or do you think that that was written for her? Oh no, she. I th- I'm sure she writes her really? own material. Oh, and I'm sure that uh, Cheryl Donye like uh, cast her because she would do something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, there are other there are other works of Cheryl Donye that that specifically talk about some of these issues that are in Watermelon Woman of like mm. white women appropriating African American culture. Or like uh-huh. having a fetish for um, yep. African American women or men, um, and so right. like she knows all of that, and she's she's like mm-hmm. she's inserting that as a as a like wink wink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because because there is that um, suspicion about like uh, in the interracial dating relationship, like oh, you like me. Oh, wait, you've dated other black women. Oh, you've dated black men too. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. and one of her friends even says, doesn't she like, she refers to this, this character as like, isn't she like a chocolate lover or something like oh, she uses, uh-huh. she uses some phrase about, I think she says chocolate something. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, like, like we see that in the, in the gay community a lot. Like, you know, you can't just simply like date someone of another ethnicity that like you, people in the community will refer to you as, you know, like it, it like these slurry slang, like, you know, names that like, oh, you, you can't just like the person. It's like you've dated someone and mm. you're now in this category of being mm. like a rice queen is like a white guy <gasps> oh, who goes man. who goes after Asians. Oh, my gosh. You know? And, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's I think it's, a you know, perpetuating like internalized homophobia, like mm. shame about being sexual. Um, but, you know. Yeah, it's a lot to weigh out, but uh, but I'm glad she's talking about it in this film. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and um, I mean the other side of that is it is, it can be a real thing. Like I've definitely, oh, yeah. uh, in the past dated men who, uh, like wanted to ask me a lot of questions and found it like very exotic that I was. Mexican but then also that I was a little bit lighter and so I was like Mexican light so I was kind of like mm. like a little safer <laughs> to date or like a gateway person of color kind uh-huh. of thing but they were really into the like exoticness of that you know <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. wow. <laughs> well I'll tell you um you know when I was thinking about the 90s when this came out and you know, this is obviously a film that, you know, wouldn't have been shown in like the big movie theaters. Um, right. But when I'm thinking back to the uh, the popular culture representations of lesbians and and you know, gay people, it was very like negative. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but also specifically with lesbians, I remember it was like super sexualized. Do you guys remember this? Like, give like, some examples. Or are like, you thinking uh, about like, 
that movie Bound. Oh, I don't know that one. That, oh, okay. Um, I'm probably some, something more lowbrow than that. Um, okay. Like as a te- I was a teenager in the 90s. Oh, um, like you're teenager. thinking about, like, uh, not, oh, what was the thing? Like, uh, it's like there's a movie with Kevin Bacon and Nev Campbell and Re- uh, Denise Richards. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What um, is that? <laughs> oh, my God. I and, know exactly. And it's They're sort the of a love pool triangle, together. Yeah. But it's very like sexually decadent totally and, and um, predatory yeah and yeah. uh cruel intentions is another that, one i can think of yeah yeah um, american pie 2 maybe i, I can I like, it, i've never seen it was that. a real i know you guys yeah. <laughs> but it was Aaron such a... only goes to the house cinema <laughs> <laughs> I do. Actually, I thought it was an American Pie 1 because that's the one I've seen, but my boyfriend corrected me. He was like, no, that was the second one. I'm like, okay, that was the Bandcamp one? I honestly don't know. But, um, I didn't see any of those. Oh, it, you're not missing much. I'll but... be relying on you to fill in the <laughs> I yeah. will fill in the gaps. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it was such a pervasive motif of like hot, two hot girls making out, and it was like, only for the male viewer oh, you yeah know, there was nothing yes. about it that was intimate or or real in the way that the watermelon woman represents uh-huh. uh two two uh lesbians uh-huh. who have you know they i mean there's some sexy stuff in this movie but it doesn't feel like it's for the male gaze it feels like it's just for the story no you know? not at all and i yeah. i thought it was so funny that um she got embroiled in the NEA funding controversy because someone had written a review of the movie and said that it was one of the hottest lesbian sex scenes on celluloid. And then, no. and then that quote, that, that <sighs> article was used um, in, a, in a hearing about, about NEA uh-huh. funding. And I don't think <laughs> this lawmaker ever saw the movie of course not because right or i mean it's it's really like i think it's really sexy but it's just it's mainly just kind of a bunch of nipples right like Uh right it's not like crazy sex sounds and you know genitalia Mm -hmm. and penage you know like it's not pornographic at all but i think no as as a like conservative man he was thinking like lesbian sex scene i've seen those oh, you know and he's like oh, thinking right, about some right. porn that he saw he was watching american pie yeah, too exactly uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> um yeah oh that's so disappointing uh, yeah so. no i think about that kind of thing with um the sensations uh visual art show at the brooklyn uh art museum that giuliani tried to shut down because there were depictions that he thought would be uh controversial because it included a chrysophily painting uh, yeah right elephant dung in it and it was the of the virgin mary and like you know he had he had big opinions on it but then it was like did he go see this no. or was he just alerted to, yeah. you know, this, this thing that could be interpreted as sacrilege. And so, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of times politicians aren't doing the research, but perhaps they have aides that tell them like, you know how to, you know, like the, the Christian vote will really respond if you go against this. Right. Yeah. You know, what's, you know, what's funny about that is I remember reading about that and, 
with Giuliani. Um, but also Hillary Clinton came out against that work too, which is so disappointing. I yeah. know. But she was, you know, the senator. Um, yeah. In New no, York. they're politicians. Hillary Clinton yeah. came out against gay marriage. Like when she was asked point blank yeah. if she would support gay marriage, she would say no or she would say, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Obama but they, did too, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they kind of conveniently forget their position on that you know <laughs> yeah anyway. yeah uh boohoo <laughs> i wanted to um go back to um when we were talking about her mom being in the movie yeah because um she she does this thing a lot in her work well, when people call it the Dunyer Mentries, um, mm-hmm. where a lot of her, a lot of her films are like, you're you're inside the story and you're outside the story, and the characters are playing themselves, or then they're like being interviewed and talking about the character that they're playing, or mm-hmm. um, and there's a there's other films where she she does that, and I really I really like that that she's blending fact and fiction and kind of Mm -hmm. dropping you into the story and then taking you back out but you're but it's never in a disorienting kind of a way Uh Um, it's uh always in a way that that propels it forward and makes it a little more interesting yeah yeah and and it's interesting in this time when we're kind of reevaluating history and what we take Mm -hmm. as history and what we take as archive and documents and saying like there are probably 17 ways we could view this event and this history and uh it's just we we've accepted that it's told in this one way but Mm -hmm. uh let's look at alternative histories Mm -hmm. so yeah i like that she's taking liberties with the idea of documentation and documentary and and julia you uh you tend to like blur these lines in your own work i think you know this sort of playing off of art and fiction and nonfiction and you know you've got all these sort of interactive works as well I don't know if you want to kind of talk about maybe some of the ways that you might also um yeah yeah I play with some of those ideas I've done that in my in my performances and some of the Mm -hmm. performance videos for sure where um I I am the performer and some of it is autobiographical but some of it is not Uh but then as a performance artist, you kind of, well, I don't know. There's a gender thing happening with that too, I think. And, and I, and I like to play around with those expectations because I feel like Uh just like with some other forms of art that traditionally, like if a white man is making it, then it's like universal and it stands for everyone, uh-huh. right? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. that's the that was the assumption that we were all told. Um, totally. Well, Julia, you know God's a white man, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And he is angry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He's especially at this podcast. <laughs> um, that is okay. So, so like when a man is a performance artist, I feel like also that at least traditionally has tended to happen that like when he's doing something, he's like this universal symbolic figure. Whereas if a woman's Uh doing it, then it's about like being a woman and like, Mm -hmm. Uh and, um, being, 
being that very specific kind of body and and yeah. about autobiography. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah. so I've taken those expectations and performance and then made them funny or kind of twisted them in some way. Like I did this performance at the, at the Contemporary Art Museum Houston where uh-huh. um, it started looking like it was a 1970s endurance performance. I got up in front of the audience and disrobed and um, put my phone connected to a projector and it looked like my phone was just the timer but then Uh um, I'm staring at the audience looking at them very confrontationally um, and then I start getting texts on my phone (laughs) and um, and and throughout the performance then it's it's things about my personal life are coming out and um, Uh and the audience doesn't know like like is this planned is this not um <laughs> oh that's good uh-huh. and uh and then the whole thing unravels and and by the end you realize that the nudity is totally absurd and not even a part uh-huh. of what the performance is about <laughs> um lucky them <laughs> <laughs> and I'm texting about online dating and my partner texts me saying like, um, that my, my son needs Tylenol and I can't remember how much he weighs. Can you, can you tell me? And I'm like, I'm at work Uh right now. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's good. I, you know, um, I don't know if you two have ever listened to this podcast, uh, called Reply All. I don't know if that's ever come up. No. It's delightful. Um, uh, and they do, they go down rabbit holes that relate to the internet. Um, uh-huh. But the last episode they did was that they were going to submit uh, their internet search history to another oh podcaster. And so all you just see is, you know, these different topics that they're searching. And without the context, you know, it's really like humorous to see like all these you know, completely seamless random things that you would want to, you know, find information <laughs> out. And it's like, to me, that would be the most horrible thing to have made public, you know, like send the, the new <laughs> pictures out, whatever, but like, don't let anybody see my Google searches. That is so private. <laughs> Hell no. Well, now that's all anyone's ever going to want to talk about. <laughs> well, Aaron. they're not going to get, no, uh, I'm what on earth is Aaron Stafford looking at? It's not at? even, I, mean, I think the worst part, Hyde, is that they're all just dumb. They're not, you know, that's the problem. It's not anything like, you know, sexy or naughty. It's like, you know, um, how do you, you know, what should you put tile underneath the toilet or around it? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You're like, oh, that's embarrassing. I had a I had a friend come up to me after that performance and say they they were like, oh, I really liked your performance. And I thought it was so brave, blah, blah, blah. And I mm-hmm. thought that they were going to say, oh, you were so brave. I, I could have never gotten naked in front of all those people. But they said, mm-hmm. oh, you were so brave. I could have never let somebody see all the things that came up on my phone. Uh, oh, yeah. Yep, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, that's the, there's uh, something funny that used to happen when my parents lived here and that they would, and some people, I think an older generation sometimes does this where they'll grab your phone if you show them one picture. Oh God. And suddenly they're looking <laughs> through all of your pictures. It's like, oh God, yeah. stop. I'm going to yeah. stop you. Grab the phone out of your hand before you see anything you cannot unsee. Yeah. Um, no, a, a phone is such a personal device now, isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. I'd, like, I get very nervous if somebody, like, just picks up my phone. It's like, mm. no, that's like, yeah. It's like getting groped. Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably by Donald Trump, no less. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, like that, um, I had heard something about that performance before Julia, and it sounds really fantastic. And like, um, yeah, I, I was really curious about why this film spoke to you and has kind of stuck with you over 25 years now. You know, it's come up, it's come up a few times in my life. So when I first saw it, it was that year of like new horizons kind of thing and 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 uh-huh. high school for me was yep so horrible <laughs> and just yeah I, the, the, that's very universal <laughs> <laughs> all i wanted to do was just get the hell out of of like mm-hmm. everything of like my school my home my town you yep. know and and seeing movies like like this was just like yeah. um there's a there's a place out there where I belong and I can get there yeah. and and also this movie in particular like she's an artist and she's mm-hmm. she's just living the life of an artist you know she yeah. works at a video yeah. store she she does these video gigs on the side and she's making a film and it's just like her everyday yeah struggle of like living that life and I thought that was so cool mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah and I like too when she's introducing herself to this woman she's dating that she says I'm a filmmaker, and then there are moments in the in the film when she's saying like, "Well, I'm a filmmaker. Well, I want to be a filmmaker. Yeah, exactly. But right now, I work in a store, and I I feel like as artists we do that. We we feel like we can't quite like claim <laughs> that space until mm-hmm. I don't know. We're more seasoned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh huh. Um, and then, and then later, so there, there are a few ways. So, <laughs> so later, this film came up when some friends and I started this feminist group in college at UTSA, and uh-huh. um, and we were gonna have a movie night, and I suggested this movie, and and it ended up, um, embroiling us all in this huge argument that like broke up part of the group you can't Whoa. see my face right now but my jaw is hanging open yeah. and i was oh, wa- waiting for that i was like oh man that was like a hand Shit. grenade yeah because some of the women were afraid that was going to identify them as lesbians. exactly exactly oh. they were like we don't want people to think that just because we're feminists we're lesbians oh. and then i was looking across the room and the girls who actually were closeted lesbians were were just oh. like gritting their teeth and it was it was bad it it just yeah we we threw a we threw a I threw a bomb into the group (laughs) 
Yeah, um, that bomb needed to happen. <laughs> yeah, and this was the mm-hmm. early 2000s. This, I mean, it wasn't like 1972. I mean, come on. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I yeah. remember um, one of the grad students um, coming out with her work. Like, she you know, mm-hmm. was closet. I, it was very clear, but then suddenly she made this new body of work. It wasn't particularly good, but it was a step in a way that she acknowledged her sexuality. Yeah. And, and that it was, woman's name was Georgia hey. O'Keefe. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Georgia O'Keefe. She still heart. won't admit that they're, they're vaginas. I know. I mean, you know what? She didn't see it, and I get it. I mean, I think sometimes the unconscious... <laughs> goes so deep you know i mean really really how deep deep? i mean georgie o'keefe was the it's so funny because like she's such a cliche but she um when i was in high school um i did a painting of a flower and my dad being kind of i know i know but it wasn't as provocative or as sophisticated as o'keefe but um my dad, you know, being kind of um, an artist himself, there and was a provocateur. A, and a provocateur, he uh, took me to the Georgie O'Keeffe retrospective at the DMA. I must have been fourteen or fifteen, uh-huh. and when I saw those paintings, I thought, "I want to do that." Like uh-huh. she paints flowers, and I paint flowers, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I wonder. I think back, and I was like, I wonder if my dad knew how much of an impact that had on me because before uh-huh. I had seen paintings that had been done of you know people or mm-hmm. you know um, it was very you know traditional like impressionistic maybe work. I remember seeing a lot of that before, but the abstract flowers, I thought. Oh, I can do that. I can, I can be an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so it's it. She's sort of You're... my like mother as mm-hmm. an artist. Mm-hmm. But so I have to stick up for O'Keefe. I know, bless her heart. You know, she really oh, yeah. didn't uh, see that one coming, did she? But that's okay. <laughs> we don't sometimes. We don't see what's in our work. Like I had. Yeah. I was making this uh so these soap uh, sculptures uh, a few years ago. And um, I had um, uh, a relative's fiance like really dig into me. She was like, are you, you know, what are you saying about, you know, people who are fat? And I'm like, I didn't think I was saying anything about that. Um, but And the you know, work were, were the soap molds? Yeah, so it was the work that looked like food from different, um, oh. different time periods. Huh. Um, but, you know, and it was always just meant to be kind of like, it was silly and humorous, and, and I, you know, a lot of it comes from um, history, but also my childhood. Um, but I just didn't see that I was insulting somebody who was, um, you know, overweight. I mean, I just, I was just making the work. You well, know? Uh, I think it probably had more to do with this person that brought it up as a subject. I know, like... but you, ne- <laughs> you, you just never know what your work is going to, you know. And, and Julia, you've had uh, a work censored at the McNay. Yeah, I did. That correct? I did. So, you know. Good what... for you. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Well, you know, part of me was really... I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Like I was really yeah. angry and hurt and sad and all yeah, those things. Um, but then another part of me was like rock and roll, <laughs> you know? Yes. Right, and right. so I kind of got to 
cross two things off of my bucket list at once, which were, <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to show in a museum in this city that I grew up in, that I always wanted to, you know, leave, that I appreciated much more as an adult, but, but as a kid, yes. um, I was like, I'm going to show these people, I'm going to be in a museum here, and I was. Uh -huh. And then uh -huh. another thing was, I wonder if I'll ever do something scandalous enough to get kicked out of a museum, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> And that's, you just didn't know it was going to be the same. <laughs> yeah, right. <thing. laughs> yeah. Um, was it a board member or was it who? I who think was it the was. One that was well, yeah, well, before kind of suck. Um, before before I tell you about it, I I just want to say like yeah. that's another that's another thing with this movie and and of course when I saw okay. it I didn't I was a teenager I didn't know anything about what was happening with the NEA but but when I became an artist later some of those artists that were embroiled in those scandals are some of my favorites ever mm -hmm. and especially uh -huh. as a performance artist because so much of that was performance work um yeah. photography and video you know yeah and it was Karen Finley and um Andre Serrano um Ron Athey got brought up in that yes um yeah, a, a bunch of those. Uh, Robert Maplethorpe, of course. <laughs> was uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, you know, I think historically, if we look at some of the most pro or, uh, famous paintings, they were heavily criticized and and even censored. So it is it is sort of a rite of passage, I think. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. To sort of have something, you know, especially for a performance artist, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Julia, can you describe the work? That... <laughs> Uh -huh. Sure. I want to know. I want to know what gets you shut down in San Antonio. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, oh, and also, this puts me in good company with with other like um, controversial Chicana artists like Alma Lopez, recontextualizing uh -huh. the Virgin Mary. Um, so that that part of it made me feel really good. Like, oh, I'm in really great company. My heroes. Mm -hmm. um, uh huh. But uh, so it was put into the museum um, because they were, uh, they had just opened up the new contemporary wing, and they were they were doing mm -hmm. things to re, to recontextualize their permanent collection, and so yes. they paired this work of mine um, with images of. Um, the Virgin Mary and mm -hmm. um, so this work I did when I was pregnant with my second child and I was it was I think two weeks before I had before I gave oh birth God. so I was huge um, <laughs> and um, I <laughs> <laughs> nobody had to guess if you were pregnant no but <laughs> weirdly enough I was asked a few times um, where I got the fake belly that was so realistic looking. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I don't think that people, I mean, I, if you don't, if you never really seen one up close, like they, they just don't look they real do look sometimes. Very foreign, I guess so. Right? Yeah. It's like, whoa. They're so tight and shiny. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if yeah. we commission this work, 
we're going to need to give you a few months to like <laughs> get prepared for it. Suggesting. I think that time yeah. is over. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so continue okay, though. So, um, so I'm hugely pregnant. Um, I'm standing on a pedestal that looks like a pedestal that you would put a little saint statue on. And, and like you, uh-huh. Hyde, I grew up Catholic. And so I've got all that yeah. like baggage and also like um, visual, <laughs> you know, bank, bank of all of those visuals in my brain, right? Yeah. Um, and um, I'm wearing this this lacy white veil that is that is from my from my my grandmother's from um, Mexico, and yeah. um, I'm I am nude and pregnant uh-huh. and on this pedestal, uh-huh. and then I'm holding one hand up, and one hand is um, sort of acting as a fig leaf, and then. Uh-huh. Um, there's all this blood streaming down from between my legs. <laughs> um, Fake blood. And I am uh, singing a cappella these two songs. Um, one called uh, Don't Explain. Um, You're singing that song? Yeah, that's me singing. You're very good. Thank wow. you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So okay. She's for real, Erin. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. The woman who was karaokeing and the watermelon woman was very good too. Yeah. <laughs> what was her name? Gosh, oh God! So oh God! Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know, um, I really enjoyed watching that uh, that video that you have. You sent us the link. Um, well, of your performance. And I have had many um, other women say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but apparently someone connected with the McNay, like they, oh, well, f- well, first people complained about it and they, um, they installed a button so that the, the video wouldn't play continuously and you had to make the choice to go up and hit a button to watch it. Mm-hmm. But apparently, um, the button wasn't enough and maybe like a child pressed the button or something. Uh-oh. And um, and someone wrote a letter to the McNay about how um, it made them want to vomit and they could never get the mm-hmm. the image out of their brain and et cetera. So um, <laughs> so that that was that. So you actually invented that term. I live rent free in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. Wow. <laughs> That, I mean, that's such a strong reaction to some, I mean, when you look at, you know, violent and graphic movies, like Saw, all the Saw movies. Oh my God, right? No kidding. Give me a fucking break. But what I, I saw that somebody commented on the video on the wet, the, the internet and they said, really stupid. And then I think you commented, thanks for your insightful feedback. And I just fucking love that. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. But yeah, it's like, fuck you. I mean, and I, I do the same thing. Like if I get some like stupid comments, like, oh, cool, thanks. Especially as a teacher. Um, like I get so many uh, shitty students that, you know, are, are brutal, brutal. I'm like, cool, thanks for being so helpful. I really appreciate it. So, <laughs> <laughs> asshole <God>. oh, <laughs> well it's it's kind of like the responsibility of like uh, do people want their work do people want art 
to not be meaningful or to have an impact? Are they more comfortable with like not having a reaction to art? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you're making me think about things, which is making me angry. Like this work is sticking with me. Ooh, I hate you. You've had an effect on me. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like uh, just not being able to take responsibility for like, yeah, this is what good art actually does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that does not sound you know um obscene it sounds provocative but not obscene yeah yeah i mean it when what year was that julia that that happened that was uh 2014 no um no uh i made it in 2014 it was 2017 when it got removed yeah you know what god so that's so recent you know what i feel like maybe with the whole trumpian kind of craze like maybe you know conservative Mm -hmm. just felt emboldened to sort of say anti-culture anti-art anything that makes me right Um, right there's a lot of like a lot of the conservatives um have a talking point right now about um um critical race theory Mm -hmm. yes and it's like, guys, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> it's it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's existed mm-hmm. for decades, and you're boohooing because, again, like, it's making you uncomfortable. You and, can't control the story anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I watched this report about how these parents were protesting at a school for teaching critical race theory, which they weren't teaching that right exactly Um, but they were protesting anyway yeah Mm. it's just panicked responses it's knee-jerk like somebody told them to be upset because like Mm -hmm. the world is becoming more liberal and understanding Uh and thoughtful and inclusive and that makes them angry (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) what i thought was really interesting in the movie is um so at the CLIT research facility, which I just break down the, ac- so, the acronym. It's yeah. the yeah. Center for Lesbian Intelligence yeah. and Technology, CLIT. Yeah, yes, is, CLIT. I hope that actually <laughs> does exist. I mean, that's a really great name for that. But It, um, it really does exist? Oh, I don't know. I just, I hope it does. You know, I hope that there's a, I'm sure there is. Out of all the, I mean, I don't, we've never revealed this to our listeners, but like, Hyde and I struggle to pick out a name for this podcast because there's so many names that exist. <laughs> like we were just like, let's just call it like Popcorn Bubble One Two Three Four. Like <laughs> something stupid. Because they're just like everything we thought it was like taken, 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 and it's like, oh my yeah. god, everything's taken. Um, well, thank God ATM doesn't AT- have a double entendre <laughs> or any like. Not any- at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm glad that was the, the sticking point for you, Hyde. Um, but, um, yeah, there was that moment, though, at the CLIT uh, Research Center where, you know, she wasn't allowed to document, you know, the, the oh, photographs. Right. And it's like, why? Why? I just didn't understand. Like, I understood that it, like, created, like, a little tension in the scene. Yes. Um, but it seemed but like it, But it was, feel- again, it was a white woman controlling, uh-huh. like, yeah. black history. That's mm-hmm. so true. And it's like, what's what what's the harm in allowing the information to be um, distributed you know, distri- and yeah. shared? Mm-hmm. Right. It, and I don't know how often that happens. I mean, 
I know my work is heavy on research, and I think Julia, uh -huh. I would imagine your your work and Hyde as well. I mean, I don't know how like like I love going to a library and like picking out some books, you know, and, and right. Like I really get into kind of like the hands-on research part of uh, art making. And the library uh, is the only. I mean, we were talking about missing browsing earlier like that's one of the last places left where you can get that kind oh, of experience where you just yeah. happen upon some information that can totally mm -hmm. change your research and and make it so much better yeah right i used to do a lot of um this this is going to sound really, um, you know, highbrow here, but I did a lot of Pinteresting. <laughs> um, and I, I gotten really good ideas um, from Pinterest only because it showed me the most random crap. Like, it was just this potpourri of, you know, v visuals and you would just, you know, an endless scrolling. And I really enjoyed that. I never knew what I was going to get. Um, and, but now it's all based on algorithms and I feel like it's rubbish. It's, it's destroyed because I can't uh -huh. see the random stuff anymore. You, you just have to start another account, Aaron. Oh, really? Is that what I have yeah. to do? Okay. I'm going to yeah. try that. Cause You'll I see completely different things. Yeah. Okay. Cause I need, I need to just, yeah, I need to see the random uh -huh. stuff out there, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, like, I get a little bit of that on YouTube because, um, my boyfriend watches like completely random stuff on YouTube and I'll, I'll put it on. I'm like, what the heck is this? And mm -hmm. that's good. I like some of that, but YouTube is a scary place as well. So, but, um, <laughs> God, but yeah, I miss, like, I love that she went to the library and was getting all these books and asking like the card catalog. And it's like, I totally dork out on stuff like that. You know? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. So the actor that played the librarian, uh -huh. do you know this? The, no. This uh, David Rackin, Rack Rackoff. Okay. I reckon I recognized him. He is deceased. What? He actually had this strange form of cancer <gasps> that before no. it killed him, it took his arm. Oh so he, God. but he was a a performer and a, a really um, good writer. Mm. So sort of in the vein of uh, like David Sedaris. Oh but my he, God! I, I want to say he was maybe in plays with amy sedaris oh, as an wow. actor yeah yeah he but, had um, a cool attitude i could kind of see that coming out and you know it was a small part but you know it was kind of he was a little bit you know uppity well um, it was again it was like white people sort of controlling the information uh -huh. and mm -hmm. not really being super helpful okay so what did you two think about the relationship between um uh, Cheryl and Tam Tamara, because that was, oh, they yeah. had some, like, there was some, ten I mean, they're very good friends, but, you know, it got pretty tense towards the end, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I've had friends who are not artists, and sometimes they just don't understand, like, what it takes to, to make a body of work or an exhibition or a film, that's true. That's um, and, true. Yeah, I don't know if any of uh, if you two have ever had a friend like that who, you yeah. know, it's like. So for anybody that hasn't seen the film, mm -hmm. what Aaron's talking about is the main character and her best friend are are both black, both lesbian, both work at the video store, mm -hmm. and um, while Cheryl has um, 
ambitions to be a filmmaker and is like diligently working on this project on her off time, uh, uh, Tamara is more interested in getting laid. (laughs) (laughs) I love that she used the word uh, nookie for sex. Like I haven't heard that in forever. Like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so there's tension over like how they spend their time right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. and, and Tamara isn't really very supportive of, um, of her project. And Cheryl is not supportive of Tamara's, you know, sexual <laughs> conquest. I mean, it goes both ways. Um, yeah. Like they, at the end, they really could care less about what the other is interested in and values. Um, which I I thought it was really interesting that we have a representation of two women who are friends who are also not perfect friends. Like it's nice to see that they have conflict and then they have some resolution and there's this, you know, and I I think that was kind of nice to see that there is, you know, something more complex complicated there and their and their and their conflicts allow for the discussion about like dating outside of your own race Mm -hmm. what it means politically if uh yeah like kind of legitimacy yeah and that's sort of that's part of what the the Bechtel test conversations are all about Mm -hmm. is that like we don't often get to see just the complexity of women's lives and relationships between women that are mm-hmm. that are complicated friendships that are complicated sibling relationships that are complicated yeah you know um other kinds of familial relationships mm-hmm. yeah bosses yeah. and employees yeah. you know just all yeah. all of the places where we come together in life rather than just mm-hmm. romantic relationships with men Oh, I was going to say that reminds me of that scene where um, Cheryl has found a book about lesbians in uh, cinema oh, in history. Yeah, that's so and it funny. was, she was like, oh, it was written by this, you know, whatever his name is. She was like, it's oh, like, he sounds like a lesbian. Like, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. Yes, it's like, that's so true that the history of women or minorities um, get written by straight dudes, you know? Well, maybe maybe at that period. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering if it was a real book. Did you? Oh, I know. I did look. You know what? That's shit. I should have looked that up too. I love that she's so she's so funny too. You know, it's Uh this movie is touching on really serious, like thorny political Mm -hmm. conversations, and yet she has these really absurd jokes in there too you know about like the porn mm-hmm. that her friend orders mm-hmm. under under mm-hmm. customers names at the uh-huh. video what store was it bald-headed domin- <laughs> domin- doms or something uh, it was um ball busters yeah bald black so, ball busters bbb bus- <laughs> <laughs> y'all <laughs> oh man that was great yeah she you know i feel like this is a very kind of like appropriate for mainstream audience like it's very approachable it doesn't feel you know too esoteric or it's but not you, yeah but you know i mean when you think about a mainstream audience it's like they're really not into talking or feeling <laughs> or like thinking all those things are very unpopular does this movie pass the explosions test right. <laughs> i've never heard of that but what 
Is it? Does it have to have? No, I'm just making that up. But oh, I. That's the, and that's that's what's so crazy today is like it's all about these Marvel comics superhero, you know, and it's big yeah. bloated budgets, and it's like when when is that gonna die out? When can we get back to like not some soon gritty, enough? Oh yeah. my god, I'm so yeah. tired of it. It's so. funny. I have to tell you this. I was watching an interview with Sheila E, the a musician. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she was like an associate of Prince's and she had, uh, you know, hit records or herself and came from a long line of musicians. But uh, the she was on Larry King and he asked her, like, what what do what does nobody know about you? And she goes, oh, I like um, I like violent movies <laughs> and explosions and all. And I was like, wow, that is really interesting. Like, because wow. I find that stuff so boring, you know. But but Sheila E's down for it. You know, it nothing surprises me um, yeah. at this point. But yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I feel like in the '90s at least there was some budget for like some weird quirky stuff, you know, coming out. And then it was just uh-huh. like blockbusters. Just like I blame like the like Men in Black, Jurassic Park kind of stuff, where it's just like, well, these did so well that we have to just keep repeating the formula. Mm. And then, yeah, <laughs> well, you know those things. Those things happened at the same time in like, you know, mm-hmm. production history or where have you. Like there were there were always big Hollywood films, but that period for independent film where people were more talky, like the link letter mm-hmm. uh, stuff, you know, and uh sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, um just like there there was a period in time when like films were more kind of experimental, mm-hmm. maybe taking cues from European, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, productions. And, and I felt like people had more patience f- that films didn't have to work on such a template for like, uh, you know, we need action, action things yeah, to happen. Right. Like it could just be thoughtful, but I don't, I'm sure it's still happening. But I think that that was a, a really interesting period in film. Yeah, yeah. I've, I really like I, I really like boring movies. I'm not saying that this, mm-hmm. this movie uh-huh. is not boring at all, but I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like, I, I would even go, I would rather go to the other end of the spectrum and watch, like, uh-huh. My Dinner with Andre or something like that, uh-huh. you know? Mm-hmm. Right, I'll right. take that over, a, over an explosion movie any day. Yes. Something thoughtful, quirky. It's re- Yeah, it's just, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, my brothers really loved, like, I would go to the video store, you know, in the 80s or 90s and say, what do you guys want to watch? And they'd say, sex and violence. And then they'd bring back some, something like a David Lynch movie. And they'd be like, that shit was weird, hi. You don't, you don't get to rent movies anymore for us. But I was like, it had both sex and violence, you guys. And they'd be like, no, we don't like it. You know, wow. but uh, it's what people get accustomed to. I mean, it's like that with art, too. It's like, yeah. you know, like 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 the idea, Julia, that you're getting um, censored and shut down mm-hmm. at the McNay. But it's like people are totally like numb to rape culture. Mm-hmm. But then you have an image of a woman who is like in a really critical moment in her life and like maybe there's some impending like drama and pain involved Mm -hmm. and it's like that's too disturbing you know 
I want I want to watch women get hunted in the woods. That's what I want, you know. You know, but it's really I I'm having a really good time picturing you being 17 and seeing this film and like, you know, what it inspired in you and um how it sort of was not a template for like how to be an artist, but like maybe just another example, a possibility like about how to live. You know, it's like growing up in San Antonio, like you said, like not being super fulfilled in your high school, high school experience, but like having some sense of like, I am going to be a creative person. I am going to have an impact and, you know, seeing this, this group of creative women, yeah. at, like, you know, living their lives. Yeah, that totally. Yeah, yeah. What was, like, what was your, you went to UTSA as an undergrad. Mm -hmm. And did you study, uh, like, theater? Did you study art? Uh, you know, I was a theater kid. Um, uh -huh. I... <laughs> I was almost on a Nickelodeon show, actually, <gasps> which oh my God. Um, I can't even remember the name of it <laughs> oh, now. It, it was a teen drama. Um, your life could be very different right, right now. <laughs> you could be trying to get your, your fortune from your dad right now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> if only. Um, and then I, my life sort of took a turn and... Um, and I and I had to just go into my shell, sort of like okay. go into my protective shell, and that's when I became yeah. a visual artist. And mm. um, and then at UTSA I studied art and I and women's studies. Oh. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then um, I actually did not perform again for a live audience until I was thirty. Wow. Yeah. Singing, well, I could see nothing. like, yeah. like needing that much time to kind of reset mm -hmm. and to say like, I want to do this on my own terms. I want to create my own content, you know? Yeah. Because there is a really passive way to participate in the theater and that's, you know, not creating your own content, working with other people's scripts, working with directors who tell you what to do, where to stand. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think also yeah. I just... Yeah had to um like break away and make my own life and kind of find my it took me that long to like find my voice again mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah that's pretty quick to be honest really i think so you know i i feel like i have contemporaries that are still kind of like Oh, I wonder when my life's going to start. Oh, you know? I know I know those people. Yeah. I mean, they're in their 60s yeah. and 70s. And <laughs> oh, so no. Yeah. Dang, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. I have those moments. I have those moments, too. Yeah. Well, you know, wow. I mean, I think it is important that it's like, I don't think people understand how powerful it is to, to find your voice and to understand you know, why you do what you do. Like, that's such mm -hmm. an important thing to sort of recognize in the studio. And it took me, um, like, it took, I mean, I, it well after grad school, I think, to really figure mm -hmm. it out. Um, and I thought everybody had everything figured out in grad school, except oh, yeah. myself. Um, and I went to UTSA for, <laughs> for grad school. Um, and um, so, 
yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it just, it, you know, it takes some time. And sometimes people don't, maybe, it, you know, it just takes a lot of courage, I think, to find mm-hmm. your voice. Um, well, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and that's the thing about creating art and, and having a body of work that it's like it's personal expression, but it's also hoping that you can find resonance with other people mm. and that you can speak to people who, who haven't like maybe developed that personally, but they, you know, they need to hear these things. They need to, uh, you know, see these expressions in the world. Yeah. 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 I like it when, um, I can, when, when people don't have a way to put something into words and then Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. make, it's a real gift, like to know that you have made a work of art that has crystallized that feeling for them that Mm -hmm. they couldn't put into words. Um, I think that's, that's the, that's where it's at. Yeah. It's kind of, it's mysterious. And like, you know, in some of the, as I was introducing you and saying that you feel witchier, (laughs) you know, as the years roll on, um, there is something about like the, the magic of having a creative life and manifesting things that did not previously exist, Mm -hmm. at least not exactly as you're making them. Right. Yeah. I guess, I mean, that's a little bit what this movie is about, right? Is like mm-hmm. living that creative mm-hmm. life. Um, yeah. She's in, in her style of filmmaking. She's like literally making her own history, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And, and using that as a way to, to think about yeah. what her future means. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. moments when she's dancing on the rooftop and you have the city, you cityscape behind her and yeah, it's just sort of magical, you know, like they're not really necessary to the movie, but they're, it's a, yeah, it's like that, those moments of like pure joy, you know, mm-hmm. I think to mm-hmm. me really kind of set the tone because it's not a dark movie at all. It's so easy to, to watch. Like I actually watched this movie twice um, and because I just enjoyed it so much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, those those are the things I think as artists we live for those like moments when we can just kind of be ourselves up on top of a roof, dancing kind of <laughs> funny up there, you know, and just doing what feels what feels right, you know. Yeah, I know that's what I do. I, I know you're doing that. <laughs> I I actually have a flat roof. I can get up and dance on my roof if I want to. <laughs> well. Um, Thank you so much, Julia, for being on the podcast. Thank you for I, having me. I just, I love that I got an opportunity to be pushed to watch this movie because it had been on my canopy list uh, for a very long time now. So, oh, speaking of, um, of the library, you, you, mm-hmm. your listeners need to know about canopy. Yes, they do. Um, do you want to tell our, our listeners what canopy is? Well, I, uh, I get it through my public library with my library mm-hmm. card. Um, I get access to it. And I had access to it when I was a professor also through, mm-hmm. like, through academia. But it's an amazing collection of independent films and foreign films and mm-hmm. shorts and um, really wow. amazing classics. Yeah, just... And it's all free. You don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I get it through my school and I never remember which one and I always get signed out and I get super confused. But when I do <laughs> finally get logged back in, it yeah. is always delightful. So, yeah. But if you have a public library card, you're saying that you you may be able to access it depending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know Houston Public Library has a subscription. I'm not sure about um, others, but yeah, it's worth looking for. City. Yeah. Yeah. Or or so, make friends with a professor and maybe they'll sneak you a little code. And you, can, <laughs> right. you know, are you suggesting something illegal, Erin? Because no. I, I think you're joking. You're joking, right? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I honestly, guys, I don't know. Because we do things by the book. Yes, we do. I, do. I don't even know the code to get into. I'm locked out apparently now because I, yeah. I tried too many times. And I was like, uh, and nobody's, you know, on campus right now. So I can't call and ask, yeah. like, what's going on with Canopy? Um, so... <laughs> Well, do we want to introduce our next guest for... Oh, yeah. Who is our next guest, Erin? We Aaron? have... Uh, and, Julia, you might know Christy Blizzard, um, who's also a San Antonio... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is she a native or is she from no. San Antonio? No, no, no. Okay. Christy's from Indiana, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. And, uh, but she... Maybe she went to grad school or her first teaching gig was in Lubbock and then she mm. came down to San Antonio. But, like, yeah. really, like, incredible artist fun person so sweet and kind and generous like can't wait to have her as a guest nothing nothing like that old hag julia (laughs) 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 who's so mean Uh no No, julia honestly it was it was so nice to spend time with you and uh sorry for my stupid joke such a pleasure I'll cast a spell on you, Hyde. Don't Uh-oh. worry about it. Hyde, you're in yeah, trouble. Can you make me taller? <laughs> For our listeners, Hyde is like almost seven feet tall. So that's hilarious. Well, that would be a curse, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Too much of a good thing. Too much of a good um, thing. No, Julia, it was really great to spend time with you. I look forward to seeing more of your work. Absolutely. I know you, you have the you're in the group show at the Holocaust Museum mm-hmm. uh, right now. It's open, right? Yes. Yeah. Till October the show's 17th. Open. Um, cool. Okay. What is the name of the show? It's called Withstand Latinx Art in Times of Conflict. Mm. And, wow. um, Excellent. And then I'll have a video showing at Aurora Picture Show in September. And that's a festival in San Antonio. N- oh, no. That's in no, Houston. No, it's in Houston. Aurora. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and then that, that album project I did with Eric Sandin uh, right? is coming out really soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too bad you're so lazy and you don't do anything. I know. <laughs> such, a, such a waste. Such a waste. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Wow. I'm not intimidated. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and um, thanks for sharing your yeah. one of your favorite films with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Maybe Cheryl will be calling you and saying, like, hey, thanks for the bump. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>